This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Oh, no, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off even by lighting up. Oi! From my friends, the star of the show. Oi! Oi! I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Oi! This Oi! is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. 77 WABC. Curtis is a new theme song. It used to be the Coming to Take Me Away. That's right. No more. They're coming to take me away, oh my. Although- I just saw Curtis. He, Curtis was running down the uh, uh, down the alleyway. That's right, the alleyway. Uh, I was warming up in the bullpen. Andrew, uh, see, I'm ready to call you. I'm ready to call you. Giuliani. I'm ready to call you. That's right. But anyway, uh, this... And we're going to have higher ratings than Sid. This theme song you're playing now, the Rocky theme song, actually used to be the theme song for my mentor in talk radio, Bob Grant. This is the song they would play well, that would welcome him in. Was Rocky after that? Or? No, no. Uh, Rocky, yes. It came after what Bob Grant. What year did Rocky start? Sylvester Rocky Stallone. was 17, uh, 17, 1976. Holy because cow. in the first Rocky, it was, the centen- it was the bicentennial. That's right. And Apollo Creed comes walking in as George Washington there. Yeah. 50 Amazing. years Almost ago. 50 Rocky years is 50 ago. years ago? Yeah. 50 Amazing. years ago, John. Amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. And how many were there? There was one, two, three, four, five, Are six, seven, eight. Are we up to Rocky 99 eight. yet? Six plus three Creeds. We're nine. We got nine Rockies. Could you believe At it? At least. <laughs> well... Today's Friday after Thanksgiving. I hope uh, we all survived. And uh, uh, I really overate uh, during lunch. And you know what I had for dinner? Almost nothing. I had a yeah. little bit of fruit. I had a, you know, and uh, that was it. That's, that's probably the better way to do it. You probably sleep better that way. Like for me, I overate, but I overate at 7 o'clock. And I'm, you know, sleeping on a, you know, part trip to feed Part this, you got the sweats and all that, and then you come. Did in. you see your dad? Or uh... Uh, I saw. I talked. No, he was actually up in New Hampshire yesterday. As a matter New of fact, Hampshire. he was in New Hampshire yesterday. Must He's be already a nice preparing. Place, New Hampshire. He's already preparing for the New Hampshire primaries. That's he. I can't stop. Like you, John, he is nonstop news. Keeps going right Rudy there. Giuliani running for president. <laughs> that would be quite Came breaking directly news. directly from his son. Th- that'd be breaking news to me, that's for sure. Breaking news. But no, it was great. It was with my mother, my daughter. We had a couple of friends that came over. Actually, a couple of Italians from Italy that made a beautiful, beautiful lasagna, which really was the star of the show, aside from my, my daughter, Grace. And then well, we- my mother couple other people. I well. got some more laundry to wash. Oh, I love I it. I was debating Joe Loda, oh, and oh, who oh. I like. I, I, the truth is, he's a very nice man. Right. I was debating Joe Loda, and Joe Loda is trying to... We were at NBC, the big time. Yes. Channel 4, NBC, and Joe Loda says, and what have you done to help Rudy Giuliani? And, like, I did nothing. Right. I said, Joe, Joe, you don't know? He says, no, well, well, what'd you do? You didn't do nothing. I said, I said, Rudy had my, you know, the 727, the corporate 727 that uh, that's belongs to me? Yeah. Rudy was using it during the presidential campaign? Yeah, there you go. That's that's right. That's right. 
his director of, of uh, whatever, uh, Tony Carbonetti, would say, okay, we're going to Los Angeles. We're going here. We're going there. And Joe Loder was in shock. Yeah. The other time that <laughs> I, was, uh, I was doing uh, uh, Joe Loder, uh, another uh, uh, debate, and this guy McDonald, I don't know where McDonald came from, and registered as a Republican. I think that was a Tony Carbonetti uh, gig oh. to bring him in to separate the... All, all bad political decisions go all, back to Tony, Tony Carbonetti. Carbonetti. I'm joking. A bad, he brought him in. <laughs> I, I think... What do you think, Curtis? No, there's no doubt. He was a hardcore Democrat. He used to and, pal up with uh, Norman Siegel, then of the New York Civil Liberties Union, and uh, he was, like, part of the Homeless Coalition. Uh, the Doe Foundation came out of that. Which, by the way, what a scam that is. The family made millions of dollars on these uh, homeless guys here who go around and clean up the well, streets. his biggest thing during the debate was I uh, uh, sold them the building uh, uh, on 84th Street that uh, Marco used to live on. Yes. And uh, it was a... A million. I, I think we sold him for a million four hundred thousand. He borrowed the money from his in-law, mm-hmm. uh, from his father-in-law, right. which he never paid. There was lawsuits between his father-in-law really? and him, and he's criticizing me for charging him interest. And those are the days when uh, it was uh, uh, interest rates were like twelve percent, fourteen percent. Right. And I just passed along whatever the interest rate the bank was uh, charging yeah. us, and he's criticizing me, but. His his mission in life was to hit me. Yeah, and that was the only reason he was. In and it. that's how financial markets. You remember work. those you days? I remember that well. I remember he was screaming, hooting, and hollering during the debates, uh, making a big stink. It's also when they had cross debates. You could be a Republican and Democrat initially. Remember, Anthony Weiner came out of nowhere. Everybody thought Anthony Weiner. Come on, he doesn't have a chance. He had to resign from Congress. I remember. I was out there in Forest Hills. He had announced that he is running for mayor. Again, everybody says he's got no chance. And he surged. On the corner. He would have won. Anthony would have won yeah. if he didn't screw up the second yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. But he surged right to the front of the pack. There was about seven Democrats, including de Blasio, who was way down in the pack. Uh, Crowley was on the corner. He was the county leader of Queens with Christine Quinn, who was Bloomberg's choice. She had gotten the editorial endorsement of every newspaper Wiener announces, and he's ahead of her. Yeah. After one day and all the baggage he had. One of the best, most entertaining, and also heartbreaking political documentaries you'll see is that Wiener documentary that goes through that mayoral campaign. Exactly what you're talking about, John and Curtis, where you see... You know, the buildup of a small campaign trying to actually make a political comeback, build up. All of a sudden, they're leading, and then, bam, like you said, the second screw-up ends up happening, coming down. And we know the third screw-up probably ended up changing the 2016 presidential election. You know, things would have changed. I lost the Republican primary, but I still had the Liberal Party uh, uh, candidate. I was candidate for the Liberal Party. And... De Blasio had zero money, and uh, Loda had zero money. Mm-hmm. And if I would have ran, see, the Republicans made me get out. They they pushed me, they pushed me, they pushed, they pushed, they pushed. But if I would have stayed on the Liberal Party candidate, and it was Loda, Katsimatidis, and uh, De Blasio, 
you never know what would have happened because maybe, maybe I would have had Bill Clinton's uh, endorsement. Right. But you see, just like Rudy Giuliani, <clears throat> when you think of out of the three of you, so let's say Joe Loder, uh, John Katsimatidis, Liberal Party uh, candidate, and Bill de Blasio. We know the real liberal in that race was de Blasio. Yeah. Just like in your daddy's race, he had the Liberal Party line. And I would say to him, what the hell? You go out there, I'm with you on the stump. No, and you're, you're saying wrong, that, you're wrong, that David you know Dickens why? is a liberal. You know and why? yet you have the Liberal Party line. You know why all the Democrats felt I was still a Democrat? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I was running Bill Clinton's campaign in those days. Mm-hmm. You know, 10 years before. Yeah. And uh, uh, you never know what would have happened. Yeah. The good news is I lost. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who knows where WABC Radio would the be ba- right now? The bad, and news, else and all the, the bad news for the voters was my friend, oh, the Blasio. Oh, White. my God. <laughs> eight well, actually, years. You know something? He's a real nice guy. He's not a bad person, but he made bad decisions. Oh, my God. He destroyed the city, John. Yeah. Destroyed yeah. the city. And now he's going through a midlife crisis. The only time we hear about him. He's canoodling with somebody <laughs> over on the west side. He has a little love nest there. It's like enough already. We don't want to see Bill de Blasio kissing Curtis, Curtis, another woman. Nobody wants to be alone. No, no, I understand you that. You know that. But you don't have to do it so publicly like a like a teenager with raging hormones. <laughs> you know, he pulled me aside after the inner city dinner when WABC hosted the inner city dinner. Had a few tables there, four tables at the inner city dinner, right front and center. And so de Blasio was there, and actually, to his credit, as much as I hate giving de Blasio credit, did a very, very funny skit. I thought far funnier than the current mayor, talking about how politically he was looking for relevance again. It was a very funny skit that he ended up doing at the thing. But he pulled me aside afterwards, and I had never talked face-to-face to de Blasio in my life and said, it was great that we were the stars of your father's documentary. I had no clue what he was talking about. Mm. Somebody, as I've talked to him, said, I think it's this MSNBC documentary that must have came out because they pitted you going back and forth. You were defending de Blasio. Uh, you were defending, defending your father. De Blasio was going after his record right there. And I said, well, that must have been pretty easy because you could just look. Hey, crime was here, and then it increased but over here. You know? What de Blasio proves and every other mayor proves, once you're mayor, it's over. Yeah. You're not going anywhere. It's, it's a Every mayor, they job. get elected, and immediately they have dancing in their head that they're going to be president of the United States. Yeah. Your father, mm-hmm. uh, now Eric Adams when he first got sworn in, de Blasio, Bloomberg, they all, Lindsay Andrew going back Stein. to Lindsay. Right. They, I remember. <laughs> the next Jewish president. That's right. His father kept promoting him, uh, Finkelstein. Jimmy Finkelstein. Right. No, be, Jerry Finkelstein. Jerry yeah. Finkelstein. And then Spitzer's father, the same thing with Spitzer. Elliot the will next be Jewish president. president right. <laughs> uh, I mean, but it's endless. Like, do your job. Stop thinking about running for president because it doesn't matter. Look at Bloomberg. He spent a billion dollars, and what did he get? America Five Samoa. Five minutes. He won right. America Samoa. <laughs> he could be, for a billion dollars, they would have elected a president of America Samoa. <laughs> well, you guys would know this better than me, but it's probably because in order to run this city, you have to make decisions yeah. which you're going to go against your party sometimes to run it well. So you can't ultimately just look and say, I'm going to be an ideologue. I need to make the decisions that are going to be best for all New Yorkers and not necessarily say party loyalty only. Is that correct? I feel a little bit guilty on on, uh, Blumberg. You know why? We were at the Al Smith dinner that year. And I said, Al, you're worth $50 billion, $60 billion. Spend a billion. What the heck? 
you know, he wants to be relevant. Mm-hmm. In other words, he walks around. He was, oh, he was the mayor. mayor. Yeah. They used to, I mean, he used to be the top of his game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel a little guilty for, I think I helped convince him, run, because I said, you're irrelevant. What's a billion between so, friends, you know? Hey, if you're worth 50, 60 billion, it's like yeah. uh, you spending uh, a, a couple thousand, uh, you know? A couple thousand dollars. Right, but right. when you travel the country. You, Curtis, I don't know about you. I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> you travel the country, there is a visceral hate of anybody who leads New York City. It well, really besides is. Besides that being no, Jewish. No respect. Besides that being Jewish. Yes. That doesn't help. That's right. We, we've you know, had no Italian, the no Italian president, and we've had no Jewish president. Oh, yeah. you never know. we got to take a break, and we'll come back with some more. Some more gossip right afterwards. The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Eric Adams so far is a disaster. And New Yorkers are paying the price for it. Some of them with their lives. Weekday afternoons at 4 after Rudy Giuliani. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at at info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Oh, be careful. Be careful of what you wish for, politicians. This Adult Survivors Act that was meant to get Donald Trump, it was pushed by Kathy Hochul to get Donald Trump in probably the most uh, nonsensical lawsuit that I've ever seen filed out of the many nonsensical lawsuits. A woman many years ago claimed that all of a sudden Donald Trump from across Trump Tower spotted her walking in the street into Bergdorf Goodman and, and fell said, in love. Yes, it said love, followed her into the changing room and then sexually assaulted her. No proof, 
No documentation. No date, actually. They don't have the date. Right. Right? She doesn't have the date. So all the Democrats said, yay. But we got to open up a window, a caveat, in order to allow Alvin Bragg to prosecute this frivolous lawsuit. So Kathy Hochul created the Adult Survivors Act to give women, children, men, anyone who says they were sexually assaulted many years ago, could be 30, 40 years, the opportunity not a criminal, a criminal case, but a civil case, because that's what the Trump case uh, was. And all the Democrats lined up. Oh, they were cheering it on. Bravo, bravo. And one by one, as this last day that it's relative, and Kathy Hochul has said she's thinking of expanding it another year. They're beginning well, to let say, me say something. There should be prosecution for the women bringing up false allegations. Yeah, if it's proven you've bringing up a false allegation, yeah. yeah if, you, if you can prove I mean, that look that's at a the, false who allegation, was the justice, uh, then I agree. Uh, who was the judge in the, uh, that was going for the Supreme Court? And must be the straightest guy in the world, Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh, the straightest guy in the world. I mean, goes to church and you know the straightest guy in the world, and they brought up. These stupid allegations yeah. by a, a, a lawyer for the Democratic Party that that's very close to Nancy Pelosi. Christine Blasey Ford. And and it never happened. Yeah. It was all crap. Remember he- and by the way, that lawyer ended up going to jail for defrauding everybody. But think of it, John. But they put it, they put it prime time. Right. But wait a second. Prime time right in the middle of yeah, the, but the, the, cheerleaders, the cheerleaders for yeah. that. Were Andrew Cuomo, Eric Adams, Scott Stringer, all of whom now it have went been back to bite them, right? Right, it's like a boomerang effect. Yeah, it did. I mean, when you look at that case, that Kavanaugh case, I remember going through that every single day, and to me, it was he could not. The way they designed that case against him was he could not present his exculpatory evidence. I mean, this guy was such a Boy Scout that he actually kept his calendar from when he was 16, 17 years old. I didn't keep a calendar when I was 16, 17 years old. And somehow he found that calendar and he showed that he was here on this day. He was at Rehoboth Beach. He was back in Maryland on this day. And he couldn't present his exculpatory evidence, potential exculpatory evidence, because she would not even give him a date. She said it happened this summer. That's absurd. Right, but but remember, everybody, it became a very partisan debate. I remember. Republicans defending Kavanaugh and then Democrats attacking Kavanaugh. Can you imagine the House of Representatives, the Senate, just wasting their life away, just playing ping pong in in politics? Yeah. I remember a conversation with Kavanaugh. By the way, the whole world was laughing at us. Mm Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I guess we all have laws that that other countries laugh at us. Yeah. But uh, definitely the whole world was laughing at us for that. So similar to the Rocky theme song that you had on last segment, I remember a conversation that Trump had with Kavanaugh right as the allegations were starting to heat up that Blasey Ford made against him. And the conversation after a few days, Kavanaugh and Trump were talking on the phone. It was on speakerphone. It was in with a few other people. In the Oval Office. Actually, no, it was at his golf club in Benminster. And Kavanaugh asked him, he said, Mr. President, if you do want me to step down, I will step down. Because remember, we had the midterms coming up. We knew that potentially we would lose the Senate, which we didn't, but potentially we did. And Trump told him, you stay and you fight. 
You fight these, and I'll be with you there to fight them. And I think for anybody who was unbiased in looking that, looking at that and looking at the Senate confirmation process and seeing just how political it was, you had Kamala Harris, you had Cory Booker, you had all these leftists, Sheldon Whitehead out there basically just throwing, throwing stuff against the wall, trying to get it to stick. When you started looking at the facts of it and showing that they were, they were so short on facts that it became obvious this was a complete political hit job. And nothing more. Right, but it's come full cycle it locally. It has. I'll right. never forget. Cuomo was the cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Believe all women, he believe said. All must women. Believe all women. Eric Adams was a cheerleader. Scott Stringer was a cheerleader. They wanted Kavanaugh's head on a platter. And when this Adult Survivors Act was expanded by Kathy Hochul for a year, and remember, this could go back 30, 40 years uh, specifically to get Trump. That's why she did it, to get Trump on this one case that everybody recognizes is nonsense. That's why we go back to January 6th. I don't think the American people know the truth of what really happened January 6th. Mm-hmm. I hope it's fully disclosed someday, step by step by step. Why did Nancy Pelosi turn down the 10,000, uh, uh, what was troops. it, National Guard, National Guard troops? troops. Yep. Uh, and etc cetera, etc cetera. and i remember seeing the videos of uh, the capitol police opening the doors and welcoming in everybody yeah and uh, you know i love uh, uh, peter king's you know i love him dearly but he firmly believes uh, those people were guilty oh as i do as i you saw them storming it they were knocking out the windows they were at the Capitol, John. Well, we, we haven't well, seen that the 40,000. Well, that vet got shot in the brain. We, we have 40,000 new hours that have been released that have been withheld from the people. And we all know listen, this January 6th committee was a complete sham. As soon as McCarthy listen, could not appoint his people, this became a political witch hunt rather than actually trying to get to the bottom of the truth. All we want is the truth. The yes. American people want the truth. Uh, whoever is guilty, but within... Within that group of people, there were a lot of federal officers disguising themselves as part of the group. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and who do they report to? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. That's exactly right. And that's why I think these hours are going to be helpful in trying to be able to see, okay, who is this person? Who are the aggressors here? Look, most of those people that ended up going into the Capitol that day, most of them, they ended up walking through the velvet lines. That's just the truth. It didn't mean that there were agitators, and some might have been Trump supporters, some were Trump supporters. Others, though, but I don't I, know I, the you answers know, to that. I don't think our country wants to go back to 2020. I really don't. You no, have, I don't think so. I think the average American does not want to go back to 2020. To, they're entitled to the truth, Curtis. Mm-hmm. I know what they're I saw. To the I, I saw. They, they stormed the Capitol. They broke into the Capitol. Curtis, you're one of the most intellectually curious people. You don't want to dig deeper into this and actually see. This is a job for why Frank don't Morano. Want to go this is a job for Frank Morano at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, by the way. in with Frank I was having a difficult time sleeping, and uh, he, boy, he, he made me sleep like a baby listening to him. <laughs> That's great. When you're having a problem morning, sleeping, so. just Who's that woman you had about at 4 o'clock in the morning? Strassel? Strassel, Strassel yeah. was her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was, she was okay. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, when we come back, I have a solution for all the guys, the politicians, who get themselves into trouble or they're accused of getting into trouble. It's a thing that was used commonly that nobody talks about anymore. 
It's called due process? No. Salt, <laughs> salt Peter. If everybody would have salt Peter in their breakfast cereal, they used to give it to people in the military. We're going to put prisons. it in the water. Exactly. Instead of fluoride, we're going to put salt Peter in the water. I don't know what this is, so I'm looking forward to figuring right, out. Right, remember, learning this. Salt remember Peter. When you, you, when this is before your time, Andrew. Yeah. When uh, John and I were growing up, uh, the John Birch Society, the far, far right thought that putting fluoride in the water was a communist plot. That if you were to drink water with fluoride, which is part of the communist indoctrination of America. But anyway, when we come back, we got I got to explain to everybody what saltpeter is. There are a lot of old timers out there know exactly what I'm talking about. But boy, what a remedy for Scott Spitz. Uh, it would have been. I mean, for Elliot Spitz, uh, Eric Schneiderman. We can go right on down the list. The remedy to keep guys out of trouble so they can stay focused on what their agenda is. All three, it's the trifecta, the Trinity, the Troika, Andrew Giuliani, John Katsimatidis, yours truly, Curtis Lee, alive and local as we have committed WABC to be for all of you. Coming up this morning at 9, it's First Responder Fridays. America's heroes need your help on this First Responders Friday during the season of hope. Do good in their honor by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Go to T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Real New York, 77 WABC. Boy, this is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Listen, boy, I don't want to see you let a good thing slip away. You know I don't like watching anybody make the same mistakes I made. She's a real nice girl and she's always there for you. But a nice girl wouldn't tell you. Tell her about it. Gentlemen, there's a lesson to be learned from this Adult Survivors Act. The clock ticks down. In New York State, you can file a suit up until 12 midnight tonight about what you claim is a past aggression involving sex, Does it have to be more than 30 years, though? Could be any time. Decades and decades. It could go back to when you were in pre-pre-pre-pre-K. The, and most of these folks, they get a heads up. Like Eric Adams had a heads up. Sean Puff Daddy Combs had a heads up. In his first case. Pay us, one. Pay, pay us a million dollars. We won't file the lawsuit. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know how this operates. The attorneys uh, come up to you and they say, look, in order. No, there's a first name and a second name before you say attorney. Yes. yes. Okay. A- ambulance chasing yes. attorneys. <laughs> So they always reach out to you and say, you know, before this becomes public. You know you... what we do with those ambulance chasing attorneys? What? At, at our company, we wait them out. We say they expect they're going to scare us. They expect they're going to scare us, and we're going to settle. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We don't do that. 
And these ambulance chasing attorneys would say, look, we'll investigate. We'll, 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 we'll investigate and, and come up with all the facts, and then maybe we'll go to trial. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They all want settlements. They, they all want settlements, yeah. and guess what? We don't settle. Yeah. Well, we wait it out, and then now there's this one case that we have. Uh, the attorney is suing his client for not paying him <laughs> because he was expecting a big settlement. <laughs> That's so when they realize it's going to take five years or six years for us to, to to get to the bottom line, they walk away. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know what it takes? It takes courage. Mm-hmm. You know why some of the insurance make companies make big money? A lot of them have the courage. Mm-hmm. The ones that don't have the courage, they fold. Short to stop. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, it's a little bit like the philosophy and, you know, excuse the comparison that isn't exactly perfect, but you don't negotiate with terrorists, right? Yep. You you don't do that. You don't negotiate with uh, ambulance chasing attorneys, and you don't negotiate with terrorists. Well, obviously, obviously, Sean Puff Daddy Combs did not listen to you, John, because when the first major— Maybe he was guilty. uh, You better— Right. So he was represented by Ben Bramfman. You can't get any better than Benjamin Braffman. Yeah. He has represented a, a wide panoply of clients. So a woman that he had lived with for many years, this, this is a well-known fact. It's not like we never knew about that woman, accused him of some of the most uh, raunchy uh, things that you could imagine. And remember, when they filed these lawsuits, the person who taught me about this was Paul Carlucci. I call him Johnny Legit. He was the publisher of the New York Post for a while. He goes... I understand. I don't know if Paul Carlucci Jr. might be working for WABC out here. Yeah, no, I've seen him. I've seen him in the hallways here, and that would be a good uh, that would be a good uh, uh, find for WABC. But anyway, Paul Carlucci told me this is how our business operates: you file a lawsuit, it goes to the clerk, the clerk gives us the heads up, we print the lawsuit word for word. We don't determine if it's right or wrong. So it's the tabloids. So the New York Post, the Daily News, the Daily Mail, all the tabloids around the world print it word for word, and then it goes viral. And now it's can... word for word what, what the opposition attorney is saying. Exactly. And so in this case, Sean Puff Daddy Combs, within eight hours, Benjamin Braffman that morning said, we're going to fight this. This is scurrilous. None of this occurred. Eight hours later, we settled. Now he's had another one filed against him, John. <laughs> Is it midnight yet? <laughs> he's wondering how many more are going to emerge. You got to uh, gotta understand, whether it's right or wrong, think you're Eric Adams. You're getting hit from every which way now. The polls are not good. You got the migrant situation. Yeah, but you have to have the courage not to settle, number one. And you have to have the courage to go after the attorneys that bring up, you know, fictitious lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Right, but that, as you know, that can last a lifetime. He doesn't have a lifetime, so this is going to hang over his head. So what do you do? Imagine if this never occurred yeah. and this was just filed against him. So every time you Google Eric Adams, this is going to pop up. Well, this should be pretty clear whether or not Adams is immediately telling the truth of this person because Adams saying that he didn't know who this person is, if they ever met, he doesn't recall, um, that's a pretty clear difference in terms of what the 
person is alleging, which is they've worked together and all that. So you can find out pretty quickly whether exactly. or not he knew her or not. And then he'll be able to start telling you whether Adam's story is starting to line up or whether the uh, the alleger's story yeah, is but, starting but, to line but, up. You, so you'll be able yeah, to tell pretty early. Both of you are in politics. Yes. How many fundraisers do you go to? How many charity events do you go to? And this woman comes up to you and says, can I take a selfie with us? Yeah, you're right. A lot of people you take pictures with. It's why whenever I take pictures with people, I always make sure my hands are seen. They're on somebody's shoulders. Never not seen because oh, you so want to wait, make sure. You don't use the Mike Pence rule? What's the Mike Pence rule? His don't touch. wife goes with him wherever he goes. No, it's like a little combination of, uh, <laughs> no, no, my wife doesn't, but uh, as much as I love her. But you always want to make sure, right? You, you could say, hey, look, I was here. Here are my hands. Bam. But you're right. You have to be extra well, careful. I'll give you another example. Because you get crazy people that are uh, coming after you. John, it's, uh, it's somebody game. you know well. He's running for mayor of Jersey City now. He's come full Jim circle. McGreevy. Right. He resigned, remember that famous speech, I'm a gay American. It had nothing to do with him being gay. What had happened, we now find out, is that a state senator who is a mentor of his, Lesniak, met with him and said, this guy, Golan Sapel is going to go public with your relationship. He wants $5 million for it to go away. So uh, McGreevy, said, McGreevy said, well, can we pay him off? I, I can't afford to have that hanging over my head. Because it's going it's to leak out. There's no way that we could raise $5 million as a payoff and it's not going to leak out. And that's when he decided to resign. The guy wanted $5 million to basically make it go away because he was going to out uh, Jim McGree. Everybody already knew in Jersey that the guy was gay. Right. But now he's come full circle and he's running for mayor of Jersey City. But again... That was a situation. Let's just say they were able to arrange the payment of $5 million and then uh, legally negotiate it. Give him a contract for to, to a no-show contract? Yeah, non-disclosure. Yeah, yeah, right. Probably. I mean, governors have a lot of power. Oh, yeah. But a non-disclosure, a you know, in which jobs. he would go back to Israel. He would never mention it again. And he would have $5 million. I'm sure that's been d- done over the years because that didn't that idea didn't just come about from Jim McGreevy and State Senator Lesniak. I'm sure there have been hush money payments made over the years. Look, I like Jim McGreevy. I think he's a very nice man. I think he wants to do the right thing. I think he's learned his lesson. That's my, my position. But you don't live in Jersey City. So, you see, his problem is going to be that there's a whole new generation of politicos who are going to say, hey, why are we recycling him? Mm-hmm. It's our turn. We made our bones. So he may be able to uh, withstand the challenges from a newer generation. Uh, but I don't know. I think uh, a lot of people are going to say, hey, we're the hipster, we're the millennials, we're the majority now. We don't really know you. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's time for our generation and stuff. That's the problem we have in New York City. People don't realize when you mention these older names like Adams like uh, uh, Cuomo, like Scott Stringer. That's an old, That's the baby boomer generation. All these young hipster millennials, they're like, we don't owe any allegiance to you. We yeah. didn't grow up with you. They think it's their time to rule, their time in power. Problem is, many of them are socialists. Many of them are progressives. Many of them are very liberal. But they are the majority now of Democrats, uh, at least who sit in office, as we see. State Senate, State Assembly, City Council. So they've paralyzed us in the state of New York, and that's why more and more people are leaving. Well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to wash some more dirty laundry from, from the 80s, the 90s, 
And we got a few good ones. Ah, good Thanksgiving so nobody, spirit. I like it. Nobody hang up the the, uh, the radio. Right, Curtis? <laughs> don't turn don't, it off. Don't turn it off. We got some good, good stories for you in the new hour. Let's take that break. Coming up this morning at 9, it's First Responder Fridays. Never forget, that's the commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month right now during First Responder Fridays during the season of hope to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is sit in friends in the morning 77 WABC We're back Dirty laundry time. What dirty laundry are we going to wash today? Well, you had so many that you teased us with yesterday that involved Andrew Giuliani's father, Rudy well, we'll do that in the 8 o'clock hour. Okay. Rudy's an altar boy. Or, or he was going to be an altar boy. I'm just happy that he, he, he wasn't. He wanted to be a priest. He, he did. I know. Thank he was mayor. He didn't. No, no. He was mayor at the time. And it wasn't, the truth was, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Rudy's fault. It was some of his people. And, uh, and uh, uh, well, tune in in the 8 o'clock hour. And you'll get some more good gossip. I, I, I am <laughs> Andrew, you weren't born yet. I, I wasn't born yet. And I got to tell you, I'm very thankful that he did not become a priest. Because even though the marriage to my mother did not work out, I would say it worked out pretty well for me. Because there would not be an Andrew Giuliani sitting Your across from you today. Your mom was a very nice lady. Oh, thank you. She was with I, Grace I, I, yesterday. I'm going to tell you the blast. truth, and I would tell Rudy straight to his face. Yeah. He would have been better off staying with her. Well, I uh, I appreciate it and I, I admire you, her so I, much. I would tell him straight to his face. Andrew, oh, thank, you. Uh, thank you, John. Yeah. Well, I, Andrew, I, I make so a policy, unlike John, not to give any advice when it comes to marriages and who should stay <laughs> together and who shouldn't. I make that a policy. <laughs> that's that's smart. <laughs> well, well, were you six and zero or, or five and zero? John, you know, as a matter of fact, believe it or not, for a few years, Donna Hanover was a radio host at WOR competing in the mornings yes. against yours truly. Truly, oh Curtis Lee over uh, here. Competing against me. <laughs> Although I will tell you, you should, you would be surprised at the number of men who went on to a political career who were flaunting with the idea of going into the priesthood. Because if you went to a Catholic school, John, you didn't have this experience. I did. And you went to Don Bosco. I don't know if they tried to recruit Saint you. St. Joe's. Or, right, uh, St. Right. Joe's. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, that's, uh, that's like uh, ammonian bleach, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the point was, is at some point in your academic career in high school, they tried to draft you into the priesthood. The Jesuits tried that early on with me. And I said, there ain't no way I'm going to a seminary. <laughs> but your, your father and his very dear friend, uh, Peter Powers, yeah. They both told me they were they were almost on their way to the seminary, the priesthood. Life would have been so different. Different, a guy who's in double trouble now because uh, he was indicted as the buildings commissioner of the city of New York for Eric Adams. Eric Olrich was on his way to going to the seminary. Wow, was he really? Yeah, I can, I can sort of list. I wonder how come they never got Peter King. <laughs> he went to the same school as me. He's always proud to say, "Well, I graduated Curtiston." I know the Jesuits had to put the arm on Peter King and try to get him to become a Jesuit. That was part of their recruitment spiel. 
if you went to a Catholic high school at some point, and this was true for uh, for young ladies, it would try to get you to go to the convent. Oh, didn't you ever consider becoming a? Uh, you my, know. my my son went to a Jesuit high school. He went to Lo- Loyola on the Upper uh, East Side. Yeah, and I'll tell you something. The education my son got there was a very great education. Yeah. He went to St. David's with you. Yes, he uh, did. Uh, you were a few years ahead of him. Yeah. But, uh, you know, my, my my son got a great education. At uh, He went to Episcopal, and then he went to St. David's. And an honor student. And, uh, and he went to uh, Loyola High School, which was great education. Then he ended up in the... Um, NYU Stern Business School. and uh, Now, you know what was considered the prestigious high school? It still is, Jesuit High School in all of New York City. And it produced Dr. Fauci, Regis High School, which yeah, is here on the Upper East Side. Dr. It's a very fine high school, too. Right, but uh, his uh, parents... One, one course, 50000 a year, the other one is free. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but here it is, probably one of the most contentious people we've ever had. Uh, the the battles, remember, in the Senate, the Senate hearings between Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci. And Dr. Fauci's family owned a pharmacy in Bensonhurst. He ended up going to Regis. Uh, I never liked a high school that didn't have a football team. That's Regis. <laughs> but he excelled there academically, and you know the rest of the story. We became prisoners of Dr. Fauci for how many years? Yeah. How many years? Now, you know, we could talk about that later, too. Let me ask the question. Was Dr. Fauci conned by the Chinese? Was Dr. Fauci partners with the Chinese? Mm-hmm. Was Dr. Fauci uh, just, uh, was, was he conned? Was he partners? What's the third choice? Was he just stupid? Well, you, I think partners. I think partners in looking at I this think, and looking I where the doc, money. Dr. Fauci has made a lot of money. And maybe he was stupid enough to believe the people he knew for 20 years. Yeah, but John, his interview with you. Who knows? His interview with you, Made Chinese world, news. Chinese New Year's. I'm coming back from the World Martial Arts Expo mm-hmm. at the Tropicana in Atlantic City. I'm listening because it's Sunday morning to, to John and his, you know, all of his guests. And he had on Dr. Fauci and John asked him, well, there's like one or two cases out in Washington State. No worries. Everything's okay. Life will continue. Within a month, we were in a lockdown. Right. A complete lockdown. I remember yeah. that interview. Hannity used to play it all the time. Yep. Yeah. And when you look at what now, he said. Now, you were at the White House about, at the time? At the time, I was. I absolutely was. And I remember probably one of the first people and in the White the House who was who was the other doctor with the fancy uh, scarf she had all the time? Uh, Burke. Deborah Burke was yeah. there. Uh, Redford was one of the guys who was, I think, probably as honest as possible about some of the issues that were happening with Fauci as early as possible. There were a couple others we'll get into well, well, on the well, other side of the back, break Well, then it goes back to Cuomo. You, what, what, what did he know and he didn't know? When, uh, and how Trump and he were working yeah. pretty well in the beginning right, of well, it, too. When we right? come back, I'll tell you we've got to discuss that it. because a lot of people always say to me, why didn't Trump just get rid of Fauci? Mm-hmm. Because Fauci, he was an enigma. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. It drives us crazy, but every time on the Upper West Side, when I see people still wearing shields, gloves, yeah. uh, double masks. Double masks. I think All right, let's go to a break. And we're we're going to have an even better show for you during the 8 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. Don't hang up that radio.